go pups on that, buddy. That's awesome. Wow. I was singing away with him and so glad my mic wasn't turned on. But my heart was full on. In the second chapter of the book of Colossians are some absolutely fantastic verses for us. It's very lively. I love um, this idea of our hearts fully on and fully alert and fully alive to the things of God. And uh, because I believe what the Lord is wanting to do is to peel away that which does not bring life and to expose us to life. That's circumcision. To actually step in and not circumcise with human hands what God wants to do, which is to flourish our hearts toward Him. And often we, we really want to take some external form and turn it into something that is deeply internal. And we will fail every time that we try to do that. And so for the next two weeks, um, I want to just converse about this idea of, of what we expect from one another. But more than that, what we expect from our Lord. As he comes to us and just challenges us in verses 10 through 12, or actually I'm going to pick up with verse 9 of chapter 2. He says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ who is the head over every power and every authority. In him you are also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with circumcision done by the hands of men, but with circumcision that's done by Christ. You've been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. You have been brought alive in Jesus Christ. I, one of my favorite authors, um, he's actually only written one book that I've read. Um, he wrote uh, the book in, in connection with a guy named Brother Lawrence, and it's all about intimacy with God and joy in God. And um, his name is Frank Lawbach, and, and I am terrible at book titles, so I think I wrote it down. He wrote a book called The Practice of the Presence of God. And The Practice of the Presence of God is just such a fantastic writing because it's actually saying to us as a people, you know what, there's this dynamic, beautiful relationship that you are to have with God. And it is not consumed by a moment or an hour, but it is consumed by your heart and your life moving toward Him. And I put this in your notes either this week or last, but I love Lawbot's quote, if you're weary of some sleepy form of devotion, it would almost be guaranteed that God is more weary than you are. I love that. I pulled that sentence out as I was reading the book and I went, God, thank you for that. If you are weary of some sleepy form of external circumcision, if you're weary of some form of devotion that, that you are practicing to somehow ha- have finally be pleasing to God, look, read Colossians 1 and 2. There's a starting point. And secondly, understand that you are fully complete in God. And thirdly, fall in love with that God because look, our God is as weary of a sleepy form of devotion as you are. Our God is a consuming fire. Our God is an all-powerful presence. Our God is Lord of all. And if you were sleepy during that last song, then you're probably more weary or actually less weary than our God as we're crying out of His Lordship, His Kingship, His power, His dominion, His all. I mean, the Lord is drawing us into that and He's saying, don't settle for a sleepy form of devotion. 
But only settle, as Colossians 2 says in these words, you know, only settle for this reality that you've been baptized with Him in His death, but you have been resurrected with Christ, who is your all. And he is, he is stepping into this moment and saying, look, in and through that, I long to bring a circumcision of the heart. And so, so let me just ask this question. I've asked it at the, at the welcome. I want to ask it again. What do you expect from this fellowship? And I, you're welcome to actually pull out a journal and start saying, these are some things that I would expect as, as a part of being, as being a part of this family of God. I mean, what do you expect as, as it concerns transformation? I mean, what is center of the Christian life? I mean, what, what is it that we should be about? I mean, if you're going to be a part of Mandarin, what are you looking for? What are you passionate about? What is it that maybe the, the lesser question is this, what do you see that God looks for in the heart of His church? If you're going to turn your expectations to what the Lord says about His church and you're going to turn your expectations to what we're studying in Colossians about Christ and Christ is here among us, what should we be thinking about one another? How should we be spurring one another on to think in, in the supremacy and sufficiency of Christ? How should we push one another toward Him? I mean, what should be happening in here? Let me just ask you to take time, not today only, but throughout this week and honestly for the rest of your life, you should be asking, what do we expect from one another? Because for heaven's sake, literally, we are the church of Jesus Christ, the resurrected Messiah, the hope of glory. He is in us. He is fullness. He dwells among us and He calls us out to be His ministry of reconciliation. He draws us to Himself and He involves Himself in our lives. He guides and leads us and then He looks at us and He says, look, as you confess Me and make Me great, I will step in the middle of who you are and it will be a glorious movement of My, of my name and My fame in the body. So I mean, just... The question is, so what do you expect? When, when Jesus started to talk about this, it was super simple what He said and what He expected. And I'm not sure that this is the expectation of the church. As He was looking at a church and saying, look, I am the leader of this. I am the power and the authority of this. If I am doing a circumcision in the middle of who you are, this would be happening. I love in Matthew 22, verses 27 and 28, when, when they just kind of rolled up to him trying to pull a little trickery on Jesus. And they said, if you could take all of what's going on in the Old Testament and say, this is the defining principle of the church, what would it be? And, and it was just a moment to confuse him. And you can't confuse the Son of God. So the Son of God just simply said, if I could bring life to its center and I could bring an expectancy level to the church, and I know this is passe, and I know that you're going to say, I've heard this a lot, but I know what Jesus says. He says the first and greatest thing that I would say that would define the church of Jesus Christ is that they would love the Lord their God. And they would love Him with their hearts. And their hearts would be circumcised toward Him, peeling away that which is bringing death and flourishing their hearts toward life. They would love Him with their mind, peeling away the things that are deteriorating their mind. And next weekend, we're going to talk some very practically about this, peeling away that which is death so that life can thrive. Their strength and their soul would love the Lord. And that would be the center of the church. And oh, by the way, the people that God so deeply loves, the neighbors of ours who happen to be on seven different continents, those are the people that our hearts would move towards. And it would be normal. It would be the passion of the heart of the church to be able to say not, oh wow, look at the heroes of the faith going the ordinary Christian life. 
It would be ordinary to say the gospel has so consumed us and so circumcised our hearts that we move to every people and tribe and tongue and nation with this gospel. And it is absolutely ordinary week after week after week after week. And we're so tired of Pastor Mark standing up front and recognizing another group who's going. That, that would be the norm in the church who stops saying, oh, it's to love the Lord your God. I memorized that when I was eight. No, no. I'm not asking whether we memorize it. I'm asking whether it's a practice in the heart of the church. That God is circumcising our hearts. I mean, that we could actually say, um, as Henry Blackaby is leading many of us in the church and experiencing God, the highest potential, the greatest gift, the most promising of hope that we have in this world is a love relationship with Jesus Christ. The greatest achievement that you could have on this planet, this is what Blackaby says, these aren't my words, these are his, as we walk through this study, the greatest achievement that you can have on this earth is to be in a love relationship with your Creator. Some of us in this room are going, yeah, that sounds good, but I am nowhere near that. And that is a great moment for circumcision today. For God to step in and say, I'm happy, I'm not even, I don't even know what God would say to you. I think, I think He would ultimately just look in and echo the first words of Jesus. For those who are not calling that their highest potential, their greatest achievement, the most, most beautiful moment on this planet is to be in a love relationship with God. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. I think he would draw us in and say, look, whatever you seem to think is your highest potential and your greatest achievement, Turn from that and turn toward to the only thing that will and can consume your soul. And the only thing that we, we, we have participated in quite a few songs today, the only thing that 10,000 years from now, scrap that, that's too much to comprehend. 100 years from now, every single one of us will be standing and most of our pursuits right now will be utterly trivial to us. And 100 years from now, every one of us in this room will be standing before eternity. Praise God. And in lieu of that, the highest potential, the greatest achievement would be that the center of Mandarin Baptist Church, the center of your heart would be to love the Lord your God. With all of your soul, your heart, all of your mind and all of your strength, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus says some, some powerful things to us, and Paul carried that on. He's looking and saying, look, do you love people? In, in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, um, in writing to the church at Corinth, if I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love. I know you hear this at the weddings all the time. This isn't for a wedding. This is for the church. If I don't have love, I am a noisy gong. Listen, this is potent. Though I speak with tongues of mortals and I speak with the tongue of an angel, even though if I could pull that off, but I don't have love, I am just a gong. I am a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith and even faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, listen what he says, I am nothing. If the definition of this church, if we're not circumcising our hearts in the middle of this church and turning it into life and saying, God, peel back that which is not centered in love. If we're not defined by our center, which is to love the Lord our God with our heart and soul and mind and strength and to love those beautiful, precious, 
people that he formed and made, if that's not an actuality among us, then we are not defined by the center of what God says we should be defined as. We are not circumcised of heart, and we are nothing more than a clanging cymbal or a gong. We may think we move mountains, but we are nothing. John just carries on, lest you think Paul was just getting a little crazy in this moment. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Yet who, he who does not love does not know God. John says, for God is love. His love is moving in power. I love this. When we move away from God, our center of life is, is utterly about the greatness and the glory of God and loving Him, the highest achievement the greatest potential, the most prolific thing you will do on this earth is to have a love relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And the, the second or the next, I don't even know that they're in order. See, that's what, it's weird. We always say first and second. Jesus never said that. A natural outflow of your love for God is that you will love the people that He loves. So I'm just, I'm asking today, what do you expect from church? When you're hearing this, this is not an academic exercise. One of the most prolific things about Henry Blackaby that he wrote in week two or week three about pursuing a love relationship with God, he said, every time I come to a devotional time or a quiet time, I don't, I don't have a lot of quiet times with God. Usually he's very loud with me, like as in searing my heart because my heart is so messed up. And the loud times when God is speaking into my heart, I am walking into an encounter with the living God. Here's what we did. We didn't come to church today. We came to a gathering of the body of believers to stop and say, Oh, oh God, what are we about? And what are you going to do in our lives to more posture us about the things that you, you are passionate about? And God, clearly you are passionate about loving you and loving the people that are deeply dear to your heart. And so the practical implications of that, it is only, only, limited by the reality of our walking into a present and prescient love relationship with Jesus Christ. The practical implications of this are absolutely mammoth. And so are we loving God? Let me, let me ask you, seriously, what do you expect? And I would love to hear this. I mean, I would love for some of you to drop emails and say, this is what I'm expecting. I'd love for you to put, po- I'm looking for my church to be this because this is what God says is center for him. I mean, do we expect transformation? Are we expecting this? I've alluded to this already, but when, when Jesus was looking at, it was two different passages I was reading this week, in Mark, Matthew the 16th chapter and Mark the 7th chapter, I believe, when Jesus was standing with his disciples, here's what he said of a church that's circumcised of heart, that is fully alive to the things of God. He looked at the church and said, look, look, who do people say that I am? And I love that. Some say Elijah, some say, they just, they're saying a lot of things about you. All of them are great things. And I love this because he cut, he circumcised to the heart when he asked this. Well, who do you say that I am? And I love Peter because this is what he said. This is what the church should start to look like. If you want to hear what the church looks like, here it is. A church defined by its center. Peter said, this is who I say that you are. You are the Messiah. You are the Christos. You are the Christ. You are the King of glory. Let the King of glory come in. And I love what Jesus said, that if a church will build themselves on a dynamic, passionate love relationship with the Christ, the Messiah, who will connect their hearts to the living God, the Father, as a church will do that, here's what I'm going to say about that church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And when that happens, here's what's going to happen to a church that says the center of who we are is moving toward this confessional love for you, God, that you are the Messiah, you are the Christ, we love you. Not only will the gates of hell not prevail against it, but I will hand you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. 
Okay, that should excite some of you. And this is just straight Jesus talking about the future church and the present church in that moment as the church was birthing. And not only did he say that, but he said, I will bind, you may bind what is bound in heaven and you may loose what is loose in heaven. And some of us get a little icky by this going, ooh, what is that going to mean? I don't know. Let's fall in love with God and find out what that means among us. I mean, let's just turn to him and say, if the greatest definition of this church could be this, a church defined by its center, loving God, heart and soul, their highest. You know what I would say about that old Mandarin group? The highest achievement they seem to have is to love God. I mean, I just, those folks, it's, they just, it just beams for me. And, and they just keep serving us. They just, they just keep getting in cars and driving across town. They keep getting on planes and flying across the world, and they just keep serving people because they actually appear to believe that God's Word is true. And that's to me, is just an exciting... So I'm, I'm wondering, as we walk through this, what do you expect? What would be fair? Oh, that's a stupid question. What would be fair? If I wrote that question, just read it, and I'll, I even said it out loud, and that's stupid. What would be fair? What would be radical for you to expect from this body of Christ? I love John Ortberg, and he wrote in one of his books, um, I am so bad at book titles. I'm just keep, I don't mean to keep doing this. The Life You've Always Wanted. He wrote in a book, The Life You've Always Wanted, about a character, and I, I just got a kick out of this. I mean, what, what do you expect? Uh, he wrote a guy named Hank, and I, I, I couldn't name him Hank because I have a good friend that's Hank, so I can't talk about Hank because Hank is so passionate for God it messes up the story. But um, what do you expect? I think churches tend to go this way. At least it's been my experience. If this isn't your experience, you can ignore the next five to eight minutes and you can come back to it. But I, I just want to maybe conclude or semi-conclude with this story. Um, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's built on a sentence that's challenged me. I've, I heard this sentence many years ago when Gandhi said, I love your Christ, I don't love your Christians. And Gandhi said this. But the, the next part of the sentence really got me. Your Christians don't look much like your Christ. So, once again, we're back on Colossians. A group of people who are made alive in Christ are going to be well-known for loving people. And I think that's what Gandhi was saying is, man, this Jesus that I read about, it's, he's amazing. I love your Christ. I just Your Christians don't look a lot like him. So what do we expect from one another? There's, there's um, just, I call it Fear Fred. Um, there's, there's Freds that make up every church, and, and Freds make me sad. They mostly make me sad. Fred's can also, just so you know, Fred's can also be um, a downtrodden on the entirety of the church and can depress the pastor just out the gate letting you know that. But Fred's, Fred's are these people. You know, you know Fred's. I'm just going to read some, some parts of Fred's. I mean, Fred's are the people that have the great gift of finding the cloud in every silver lining, right? You, you, I mean, you probably have hung out with some Fred's before. Fred has this unbelievable capacity to find the islands of bad and the oceans of good. Unbelievable skills. Very good at this. I was just, Fred affirms no one ever. Been to church with Fred before? I have been to church with Fred several times. Fred has the gift, and, and Fred actually will often tell you that his gift is to keep everyone humble. He'll share that with you. Judgment and disapproval define Fred. Fred spoke with a unique dialect in the midst of church. His dialect is complaint. Just would share them all the time. This is what it's about. Fred was joyless. 
Fred found great joy in finding his joylessness with every person imaginable. That's Fred. Fred could share his thoughts and joylessness about every subject and have an opinion about every one of them. I mean, he could talk to you about your wardrobe, about your music, about everything, but Fred is going to assure you that you know about this. Fred had strained relationships with almost everyone around him. Fred had little use for the poor. And Fred, if someone has a different pigment to their skin color, Fred will let you know how that goes for him and how he feels about that. Fred is a demoralizing person. And I've been to church with Fred for the entirety of my life. And Fred is a guy who will talk about things with contempt. Joy and wonder are gone from his life. Fred was a cranky young man who became a cranky old man. That's just Fred. That's what Fred was about. You rarely, you, you, you rarely have these moments when you walk away going, man, that's great. I, I, I have spent so much time with Fred's and it's tough. And here's what, here's what bothers me. And I, I, I know you know this. And here's what I know about me, just in case you're thinking I'm talking to someone else. I am Fred. And I have been around many Freds. And there are moments in my life when I know I am just so far from this. But here's what bothers me more. Freds don't bother me. I've said they make me sad. But they don't bother me nearly as much as what I'm about to say. And so if you could gear in now, if you are a Fred and you're already ticked off, come back to me. Here's what you should hear. What really bothers me, what makes me sad, what makes me the most brokenhearted when we start to ask each other and honestly ask each other, what do we expect? The question should be this. What do we expect from this? And here's how we answer that so often in our own lives. We answer this for our own uncircumcised hearts. And we answer this for the people around us. Oh, that's just Fred. That's just what Freds do. And all the while, you know moments when we're just laughing about Fred because we don't know what else to do? But honestly, it's churning our gut. It should churn in our gut. When we're kind of laughing about ourselves and our stuck-in-our-way patterns, it should churn in our gut to to say, God, what are you doing? But instead, here's what we say, and here's what I think breaks down the heart of God. Here's what I think breaks down the church of Jesus Christ, is that we will literally say, that's all I expect from Fred. I can worship, and, and once again, please don't outline this on somebody else. You should be thinking of yourself right now. Here's what I can do. I can worship with Fred for the next 10 years, but I don't think God will change his heart. I can sit and sing the songs we just sang. Terry can light up this room, but Fred's going to stay where he is. Fred's going to keep complaining, keep fussing, keep trying. And here's, here's what I don't understand. This is what makes me really sad. There are no emergency meetings called in churches over this. There are no times of prayer. What is Matthew 18? Where does that play in where we stop and look and say, look, are you kidding me? If we're going to be a people who are about the things of God and we really expect this, wouldn't we just start going to Fred? Wouldn't we just start sharing with Fred? Wouldn't we have emergency meetings? Wouldn't we pray over Fred? But here's what you would never say in the church. If you want to be a church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against, if you want to be a church that looses and binds, if you want a church with the keys to the kingdom of heaven, here's what I think starts to happen in a church like this. We begin to have prayer meetings over Fred. We begin to come to the altar broken of our Fred tendencies. We begin to lay them down before the Father and say, God, the highest achievement, the greatest goal, the most confirming thing that can happen in my life is that you are peeling back who I am. But the last thing a church that is going to practice this happen is a group of people who look and say, oh, that's just the way it is. 
If you're tired of a weary form of devotion, believe me, God is more tired than you are. And he is looking at the body of Christ and saying, so I'm going to wonder, I'm going to wonder if this is your highest achievement. Where are your prayer circles? Where are your, where, where do you look at one another? And, and, and who, and, and, and hey, Fred, who in the room is looking at you and looks you eyeball to eyeball when you are set or moving away and says, look, and the love of God is not evident in me. This, this isn't a study of the Bible. We're sitting in a room asking for a circumcision of the heart. One is, one is a little bit of information. The other is a willingness to say, God, you came with a sword. And I am allowing you to cut heart wide open for the sake of your gospel. And I think it's fair to ask. I think it's super fair to ask right now. So what do you expect? I mean, who's in your life that's looking at you and saying, man, you really, you really sound like Fred right now. And I, so what I know is I've seen your heart before. The room's super quiet right now. We're stepping all over toes, and I'm good with that. But I, I just wonder what we're saying as we, as we read verses like this. You know, God, circumcise us in putting off the flesh, not with circumcision done with hand, but you, God, come in and cut away like Christ because we've been buried with you in baptism and we are raised with you through faith in the power of God. And as we believe that, we would come in and say, God, we have expectancy here. We have passion here. We have love here. And I, I love this as maybe just ending here. I love when Jesus ran into a whole slew of friends how he handled it because some of you are going, man, I'm ready to light somebody up today. No, no, no. Here's what Jesus did. And, and look, all you Freds in the room, you're ready to light me up. So just don't even, don't even. And so, um, but I love the moment when, when you just see Scripture and see how Jesus handled this. Because there's a whole slew of Freds that brought the woman and threw him at his feet. And I love what he did. And we don't actually know fully what he did. But stones were in their hand. And they were ready to take her life. And don't you love the transformational belief of Jesus in this moment. She was guilty of everything that she was thrown before them. I mean, she, this isn't like, oh, she didn't do this. She did. And I love this picture of Jesus just simply circumcising. So he got down. It says in Scripture he just got down on his knees, and I don't know what he started to write. You've probably heard this preached. Who knows? Some people have said, you know, he started to write the sins of the guys with the stones. I have no idea. What I do think he was doing is writing something that would circumcise their hearts. Writing something that would draw them to love God as he loved them, but more importantly, to long for the transformation that God longs for. I think he started to write things like, my father and I knew her and cherished her before the foundation of the world. We saw her being knitted together in her mother's womb. We have seen every day that she would walk, and we cherish those days. My father and I have ordained her days. She is set apart. She is fearfully and wonderfully made. This beautiful person was created before the foundation of the world. 
chosen and adopted by my Father, loved dearly by Him for the display of His glorious grace. She is currently kneeling before you, but in just a few moments in her confession of love for me will be seated in heaven. This is my child. And as he is sharing that, rocks start dropping to the ground. And I love what he looks at her and says is the ultimate in being circumcised of heart and loving God with all of your heart and loving the people that he loves. He turns to her and he says, he doesn't say, oh, you're good now. He looks at her and says, You know that you can be saved by grace. It is the gift of God. It is not what you can do. You have nothing to boast in. You know that you were purposed more by God. And he carries her into a relationship with the living God. And I love what he says. You should go. And you should walk humbly with your God. And you should have the highest and greatest achievement to be in a love relationship with him. You should break open the worship and let it flow. Another woman like you will teach you about that as she breaks open a bottle before God and washes his feet with worship. You should go and sin no more. Walk in the fullness of life. The highest achievement and the greatest goal of this fellowship is to love God with our heart and soul and mind and strength And in in doing that, we will learn to love the people that he so dearly loves. Glory to God. Praise you, Lord. I thank you for this day. I pray that you would raise the expectancy in this church.